Hey, what's up guys? Welcome back to Life on the Wrist. Hope you guys are doing okay and are excited for today's podcast. It's approaching that time of year where you sort of start thinking about all of the things that have happened over the last 12 months. And one of the things that we do a lot, or we've done every year for Life on the Wrist is I've gone over some of my favorite watches that we've curated for the Life on the Wrist store. Um, And I talk through why I loved it and and um, sort of share share a little bit about the watch the watches that I that I pick so I've narrowed down the watches from this year to five um, and I'm going to be talking about them interestingly they are all vintage watches no modern modern pieces uh, it, you know vintage is my sort of my favorite sort of sector of watches so I'm going to talk through um, the my top five watches from this year uh, we'll definitely be making a video for this uh, for this topic, um, as we always do every year. Um, but I thought, you know, might, might as well do it for the podcast as well. Um, if you are new to Life on the Wrist, uh, it's uh, I basically run a website where we where we talk about watches, both on in podcast form and articles and on videos. So if you are interested in that type of in content, be sure to head over to lifeonthewrist.com. And check out our social medias where where we post um, more regularly. You can follow us on Instagram and, and Twitter and Facebook. You'll be able to get more content from us there. Um, we'd love to have you part of the part of the family. So um, I'll I'll sort of kick it off with one of the watches that was from earlier in the year, and that is and and I should I should say before we sort of dive into the watches. There will be uh, links in the show notes of this podcast to um, every single one of these watches. So you can follow along to check out some of the pictures while we sort of talk through them. I really encourage you to check out the pictures and, and, and our, and our um, you know, the watches in the, in the show notes because I think that's what makes these really special. So back to the watches. The first watch I wanted to talk about was um, one from earlier in the year. It was a Longines Mainliner. Longines is a brand that I've had nothing but good things to say especially when it comes to vintage watches i think there's a lot of value in in vintage watches and they've come out with some very unique looking um, designs for their watches that allows you to get some real variety if you are looking to collect a brand and that and, and if that is longines you get a lot of variety in the types of watches that you can find from from this from this brand um, so the longines mainliner was a watch that was produced in the 1930s and 40s or yeah, I think 40s, excuse me. And um, it was a 29 millimeter watch, but had this really interesting sort of cage that that um, that 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 the uh, dial that the I guess the round dial of this watch sort of sat in. Um, it was sort of a squared off um, square pieces of of metal. And then you have the watch in the middle of it, and it sort of accentuated the 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 size of the watch. So you had to, the dial itself was twenty nine millimeters, and the dial and I guess the the outside bezel. And then if you actually measured it, um, including the case, it was actually forty millimeters tall. Um, and this sort of caged house watch is not something that you're going to see very often. And I think what was really cool about it is. The cage was actually um, slightly curved, so it really f- hugged the wrist really nicely, and I think fit fit um, really it sort of fit you know your the natural curvature of your wrist really nicely. 
it reminded me of the curve of the Cartier Centre, um, and I thought that was a, a really cool feature of this watch. The watch itself was um, a 10 karat gold filled case, and um, it was in really great condition for a watch from the 1940s. The, the case itself didn't have massive you know, spots where the, the gold filling was coming off. It really wasn't in really great condition. It also had this really interesting um, fluted bezel, which was fairly rare with the um, mainliner um, watches from Longines. There were many different versions of this watch, some looking a little bit more dressier. This one had a little bit more of a sportier feel. It had gold applied hour markers with the three, three, nine, and 12 being actual numbers, which I thought was really nice. And it had a sub-seconds dial at, um, at six o'clock. I really loved this watch because of how unique it was, um, how uncommon it was to see this type of watch on the wrist, but also the condition of this watch is really great. And this sort of reference within the mainliner um, sort of subset of watches was fairly rare, which I thought was um, quite unique about this piece. Uh, it came on a brown strap, which I think worked perfectly, especially with sort of a naturally patina dial that it had. It wasn't crisp white. It sort of had a little bit of a like an aged hue to it, which which looks really nicely with the brown strap, but also with the uh, gold tone um, or gold filled um, case. This watch actually went very quickly, and I, I'm so happy for the the person who ended up um, buying this watch because and adding it to their collection because it. It really is a, a beautiful watch to, to, to have. So, The next watch I want to discuss was arguably one of the um, highlights of this year. I think all of these are really highlights, but this one really stuck out to me um, quite substantially. And that was a watch from Le Coultre. It was a triple calendar moon phase um, from uh, the 1950s. Yves uh, Le Coultre or Le Coultre has been known for producing... Um, really beautiful classic triple calendar watches. They've also created annual calendars, but these triple calendar moon phases are ones that have been very desired by vintage watch collectors and are difficult to come by. There's a there's a triple calendar moon phase that is in a rectangular case that's been featured on Talking Watches with um, with some individuals on there. But it is a watch that there's a quite a good following for. The watch that I'm talking about today is um, not the rectangular version, but is, is a uh, round, round cased uh, version of the triple calendar moon phase uh, produced by Le Coultre in the 1950s. The watch itself is 35 millimeter, was 35 millimeters in diameter, 18 karat gold filled um, case. And really when I, when I, and I mentioned this in the listing, but when you think about vintage watches, this is exactly what you think about. So you've got this gold tone watch with a really beautifully a patina dial. Um, the watch itself, obviously, like I said, has the triple calendar uh, complication with the moon phase. So when you look at this watch, you have obviously the Le Coultre signature towards 12 o'clock. Below the signature, you have the day of the week and the month. And then you have a pointer that goes around the, the dial, which gives you the day of the, the month. At six o'clock, you have a sub-seconds dial with a moon phase um, inside of that sub-seconds dial and then you have um, obviously applied gold tone numerals that go around the outside of the dial and what I really loved about these numerals were they they were uh, Breguet, num Breguet uh, font which I think is one of the best fonts that you can have when it comes to vintage uh, numerals. 
Um, and so really this watch was just hands down one of my favorite watches to wear. 35 millimeters, so it fits my, watch, my wrist absolutely perfectly. It was running on the uh, JLC Caliber 486-8W manual wind movement. I love manual wind movements. It is, I prefer manual wind to, to automatic. Um, the 486 is used in multiple Le Couture uh, JLC um, watches that have this triple calendar moon phase complication. So a fairly well-known uh, movement. Um, and so it was on a black strap, but I put it on a brown strap and I thought it looked even better with sort of the gold tone and the patina on the dial itself. Um, so I guess the reason why I loved it is it really shouted vintage to me. I really enjoyed wearing this piece and um, feeling the history of Le Coultre and JLC because this brand basically created... Um, created uh, uh, watch movements for many of the, the top brands out there. And so it's nice to, to wear something that's fairly historical and it's just absolutely so freaking beautiful. Um, so I, I, I really enjoyed this, this watch. And, and um, again, lucky new owner who, who gets to enjoy this piece. Moving forward, I am going to talk about a really beautiful Patek Philippe that we were able to source um, for our store. So this was the reference 2594. This is uh, a watch that's nicknamed by many as the Disco Volante, but this is a 32mm dress watch from Patek Philippe, time only, hours and minutes, uh, manual wind um, watch that has a very unique uh, case that reminds um, reminds you one of um, sort of a, 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 a disc um, when, when you look at it. So like I said, the watch is 32 millimeters in diameter is produced in 1966 um, and has this saucer-like saucer case design that is it's an 18 karat gold case. The condition of this watch was absolutely phenomenal. It had if you look at the watch, you obviously have the Patek Philippe Genève uh, signature at 12 o'clock. You have an hours and minutes hand, and then you have these gold um, hour indicate line hour indicators um, that keep the dial very very simple. Um, one of the things with this watch is it had a milled bezel, which is something um, very different than some of the other um, 2594s. Th this um, reference has a multi multiple multiple uh, case metals, some in white gold, some in rose gold, um, and then it also has multiple sort of bezel um, finishings to it, and this one obviously had a milled uh, bezel, but there were some that had just a completely um, simple, uh, you know, brushed, uh, excuse me, not brushed, uh, polished uh, bezel. So it really varied in, in, in many, many regards. What was really cool, the, the you know, it, it had every signature you needed. Um, the um, the crown was signed with the Patek Philippe logo. You have the dial sign, and the movement was actually actually um, phenomenal, in phenomenal condition. The watch was running on the 23-300 in-house movement. Um, that's really known by vintage watch collectors as one of the best hand-wound 10-line movement. The reason for that is it has an overcoil, hair, overcoil hairspring and gyromax balance that um, is not really found in many other 10-line movements, um, or it's not found in any other 10-line movement from, from the manufacturer, which obviously shows um, 
uh, well, it doesn't show. It, it basically it allows for this watch to be as accurate as it possibly could. The watch itself ran at an incredible uh, rate. I, I couldn't believe how accurate this piece was, and I think it's a testament to Patek Philippe's movements, um, but also this specific movement um, and, and what it can do. The watch was on a brown leather strap, um, which I think worked perfectly with this piece. And, and um, yeah, again, this was just like the perfect piece for my wrist. Uh, fit absolutely phenomenally, such a unique looking Patek Philippe. And when you do put a Patek Philippe watch on your wrist, it does, you do really feel like you're in a different sort of world when it comes to watch collecting. And, and this piece definitely, um, definitely is a great example of that. Really cool that this went to a, a collector. I'll, I'll, I won't give too much information about them, but it was their first Patek Philippe that they um, were so uh, were able to enjoy and add to their collection. So it was really nice that that was the that was the case. The fourth watch I want to discuss is the uh, Le Coultre Memovox alarm watch that we were able to source. This is a watch. The the Memovox is a watch that I've I've spoken at at lengths at. Uh, you know about how phenomenal this piece is and how much value you can get for the money that you spend on these pieces. This watch was a 34 millimeter uh, Le Coultre Memovox um, that was manufactured in 1964. Um, the watch itself obviously uh, has the hours, minutes, seconds, and an alarm complication. What was really phenomenal about this watch is it was fairly untouched. The dial itself was super clean. Both crowns were signed and original. And the case itself was in really great condition. Um, it was 10 karat gold filled case. And again, it was in really great condition with very little wear on it, which is something you see with watches from this era. Um, one of the reasons why I really love this piece is it was nice to be able to source something that I've spoken to at length about. This is actually the first Le Coultre Memo Vox that we sourced for Life on the Wrist, or I sourced for Life on the Wrist. And so it was really great to um, give the viewers and readers and listeners of Life on the Wrist uh, an example of a watch, or example of a memo box that I would put my name behind because um, it is something that uh, I've mentioned many, many times. Um, not too much uh, more to it. it. Had the K814 manual wind movement in it. Again, I love manual wind, um, and it was a phenomenal example for, for the store. The last piece I want to talk about was actually um, uh, uh, an Omega Chronostop, and and the reason why I want to talk about this watch is um, really the 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 fact that um, this watch was in phenomenal condition. Chronostops, a lot of the times you can get varying condition on them, especially when it comes to the movements um, of these pieces. A lot of the times you'll see movements are broken, and unfortunately it's very difficult to replace parts for the chronostop because I think it's hard to get a hold of them. I think Omega has done a, is doing a good job of sort of servicing these pieces, but I do think it's, it's becoming harder and harder to service them. The chronostop that we were able to source was a reference 145.009, which is a stainless steel um, version of this watch with a, a slate gray dial and orange chronograph hand. It had a, a it had a um, a really uh, beautiful looking dial to it. Like I said, it was gray. Uh, Omega chronostop and Genève were all printed in white, and then it had a really nice uh, orange Omega logo, which I think went really nicely with the um, with the chronograph hand. The, the strap was also black and orange, so it really brought out the sort of orange tones that you got from it. 
The watch itself was manufactured in 1968 and um, is a 34 and a half millimeter uh, watch that runs on the Omega Caliber 865 manual wind movement. I think this is another example of a watch that's um, a really great value. Uh, Omega chrono chronographs are obviously um, in demand. You know, you can think of the the Omega Speedmasters and how much those are loved. I think the Omega Chronostop is uh, uh, obviously it's a it's a one minute chrono chronograph, but still uh, has shows the you know what Omega can do when it comes to manufacturing chronographs. Um, the case was uh, in stainless steel and in really great condition. Crown signed by Omega. Chronostop, chronograph hand, uh, the one put, uh, mono pusher chronograph hand was in great condition as well. Um, the case itself, like I said, stainless steel and sort of like an uh, like an ovular shape, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, in 1968, 1970s, it kind of gave me that vibe of of sort of that era um, and looked absolutely phenomenal. Um, Great piece um, and and, a, and a, one that I really enjoyed wearing as well. Um, just just um, you know, it's a stainless steel piece that I think is slowly but surely getting more more of its recognition, more recognition than it than it really should should get. Or it is it is that that really didn't come out uh, well. It is receiving enough. It is getting more recognition for how phenomenal the watch is, which I think I really am excited about. So those are my top five. Um, if I had to pick one of these watches to really um, say this was the the highlight of the last year, I think I would probably give it to the the Patek Philippe twenty five ninety four. I think when you when I when I sourced this watch and I put it on and I was testing it, it really it was another example to me of how phenomenal and sort of in a league of their own, Patek Philippe is. I, I, the watches that they manufacture are of, you know, just insane quality. The everything from the finishing of the case to the to the simplicity of the dials and the the way that the movements run, it's just it's just in a league of its own. Um, and I think it's a it's a great example of of what Patek Philippe can do. And and um, I'm so honored to have been able to source it, and I'm, I'm glad that the, the new owner is enjoying it. If I was to look at this top five list, I'd probably go Patek Philippe is number one. Oof. Um, you're probably going to be surprised. I'm going to go the Longines Mainliner is number two, just for how unique it is. Then I'd probably go Triple Calendar Moonface from Le Coultre as number three. Uh, very, very close to Longines Mainliner. Then I would go... Le Coultre Memovox, and then the Omega Chronostop is number five. That would be my order. But I would love to hear what your thoughts are on some of the pieces that we've that I curated for, for the store this year. Um, let me know what you... Hit us up on Instagram or on our, on our, um, in our email on our website. Hit us up and let us know what, what order you would score these in and what was your favorite from the last year. And do, do you think I missed any from this last year. We had a really cool, like, just to kind of talk about some of the other ones, we had a really nice Vacheron 4963 that we had. There was a really great um, Caravelle Diver. Uh, there was a Le Jour chronograph that I had so much fun with. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, so let us know what your favorite watch from this past year was, um, because I think you guys also have some have a good idea of what we've been able to source. So uh, let us know on our on our social medias. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to this podcast. 
If you uh, like these podcasts, be sure to follow us so you're the first person notified when we do upload a podcast. Um, and uh, I think I want to end this just with, by saying, you know, it's been a phenomenal year. These are just some of the highlights of the watches that we wanted to talk through. Um, but I think we've had a lot of highlights just in general. This podcast has been so much fun and, and it's been a great addition this year to um, to, to, to the to, to life on the wrist. So um, thank you so much for, for listening to this podcast. Um, if you wouldn't mind rating this podcast, it really does help us out. And with that said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast and until next time.